Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I'm your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is R, and R is for riding crop and other impact toys. I believe that impact play is the most accessible way to test out the boundary between pleasure and pain. The implements used for impact play can range from a bare hand to a bullwhip. One of the earliest depictions of erotic flagellation, whipping, or spanking is in the Etruscan tomb of the whipping from the 5th century BC, which was named after the images in the tomb. 10 to 25% of the population enjoy engaging in sexual practices that involve a combination of pleasure and pain. Victorian erotic literature is filled with spanking and flagellation scenes, and images abound in Victorian erotic art and images. Many well-known people enjoy erotic spankings, and this is often not discovered until after death. Neuroscience doesn't yet have an adequate explanation as to why erotic pain can be experienced as pleasure. But writing in Psychology Today, Dr. David Linden suggests that the best theory likens this to the pain enjoyed when eating foods with chili peppers. He points out that people who are born into culture where these are large part of the food still reject chili as babies but at about age five, they will develop a taste for them. He highlights that rats cannot be trained to choose food with chili peppers in them, nor can mice. So it appears that there is a human predisposition to find certain kinds of pain pleasurable. And when this is combined with various life experiences, the result is enjoyment from certain types of pain, like impact play. This then prompts the brain to modify the neural circuits and forge the neural connections between pleasure and pain. Practically, there are two main types of impact sensation, thud and sting. Some people also talk about thump, but I'll get to that in a bit. If we think of these in terms of music, Thud would be at the bass end, your bass drum, your double bass. 
and Sting would be at the treble. High notes on the violin, or if you think about a piano, thud is at one end of the keyboard, and Sting is at the other. Thud tends to be a deep, penetrating sensation. Thud strikes are felt deeper in the body, in the muscles. Sometimes you even feel like you can feel them in the bones rather than in the skin. Marks that are produced are red, bright pink, and deep bruises that often don't show up until a day or so after the experience. Instruments that produce thud include paddles, the hand, closed fist, feet, and heavy floggers like made out of bullhide or buffalo hide, for example. Sting tends to be piercing, stinging, narrow line of pain felt in the skin primarily. Things that produce sting include bullwhips, lashes, cat and nine tails, canes, birch rods. The marks left can be wheels, bleeding cuts, and stripes. Some instruments can provide a combination of sting and thud. Riding crops fall well into this category, in my opinion. The end of the crop creates a more thuddy sensation, but the hard shaft is extremely stingy. The hand can bring great thud initially, but when used to hit someone quickly, can have a really stinging effect. In my opinion, the most sting is created by switches, canes, and then followed by whips. So yes, I'm saying that I actually think that switches and canes are more stingy than whips are. Some people distinguish between thud from a heavy rigid object like a paddle and thump from a heavy flexible object like shambok. Shamboks are some of the most intense thuds, in my opinion, with an added quick sting at the end. People often have a preference for thud or sting. Some people can tolerate lots of sting, but cannot manage the softest of floggers. Others can manage thud, like from really heavy paddles, but find it impossible to take even a light strike, the crop. Slow warm-ups make it possible for a person to gradually accommodate to the pain until endorphins are released and it becomes incredibly pleasurable. The endorphin high from an erotic beating can be likened to a runner's high or even to the high from some drugs. Quick, intense beatings with no warm-up are often incredibly hard to manage. People who do consent to these are usually either very used to intense pain or involved in a power exchange relationship and agreeing to take the pain for the person who is, in the do- who is the dominant in the relationship, either in an effort to please her or simply because she tells the submissive that this is what she wants. For many, an enjoyment of pain goes back to childhood fantasies and for some to childhood experiences. Corporal punishment is no longer allowed in British schools, but for many years, caning was a standard punishment. Many generations of people educated in the British system learned to manage six of the best with a cane. For some, the pain turned to pleasure and became eventually integrated into their sexual desires and fantasies. 
Americans are more likely to talk about being hit with a belt, a spoon, or a birch rod. Sometimes people recreate these early experiences with a consenting partner, and so the beating may become part of a role play. Other times, people simply set up for an experience involving a beating, and there is no role play involved. Materials that are more likely to produce sting include rubber, wire, and thin implements like canes, whips, and birch rods. Materials that are more likely to produce thud include wide implements like paddles, heavy leather floggers. And light leather floggers can produce a thuddy sensation as well, but it, it, it actually is quite, quite a bit, can be quite a bit more gentle. Leather can be made in a form that is more likely to produce a stinging response. For example, a Scottish Taws is a flexible strap with a notch in the end. It's made up of a number of layers. It's quite heavy and it will produce some thud, but the end tends to cut in a way that produces intense sting. Impact play can be very intimate. Over-the-knee spankies are extremely intimate. There is close contact with the person who's giving the spanking. Over-the-knee spankings don't need to just be done with a hand. They can be done with a hand, a hand encased in a glove, a spoon, a paddle, a toss, or even a hairbrush. All have different textures and deliver different types of impact. But the whole experience of, of being over someone's knee tends to be incredibly intimate. Whereas some impact play is done at a distance. So for example, if you're be on the end of a bullwhip, that will be at a distance and we'd be throwing the whip at you. And that can feel in some ways less intimate. Although people who enjoy whipping others and being whipped will describe quite um, an intimate connection during the course of the beating. This is why it's so important that people are not interrupted when they're in the midst of an impact play scene. Other people interrupting can break the energy and ruin the mood um, and end the scene prematurely. And if they interrupt in the wrong way, for example, by walking uh, within the actual physical space of the scene, they can also get hurt. Different parts of the body can be hit during impact play. A large majority of impact play is aimed at the area between the top of the buttocks and the middle of the thighs. The area at the bottom or underside of the buttocks the place where there's the crease between buttock and thigh, is sometimes known as the sweet spot. This spot is known to produce enough pleasant stimulation to cause orgasm when hit repeatedly. The breasts are often a good target for impact play using small implements, little floggers, hands, and small paddles. Impact on the nipples can be incredibly intense, so if you've not tried this before, start with light strokes. Here are some of my do's and don'ts if you're going to try impact play. Do learn how to use whatever implements you choose. It may seem simple to take off your belt and beat somebody with it.
but there's an art to hitting somebody properly so that you don't cause damage. Unless, of course, there's an agreement about damage. There are classes available at some BDSM-related events. You can also ask people for references to find a teacher. Make sure that your learning includes basic human anatomy and physiology so you learn quite clearly where not to hit. It's also good to know first aid so you know what to do if things do go wrong. For example, if somebody is injured, um, if somebody feels faint, uh, if you cut the skin and somebody's bleeding so you can apply first aid afterwards. Do have a detailed conversation with the person you're planning on playing with, whether you will be giving or receiving before trying this out. Make sure that you're clear about medical history, any injuries, psychological history. Are there any possible triggers to trauma? It may feel perfectly okay to do this for somebody, but in the midst of it, they may suddenly be triggered back into a traumatic event from childhood, and it may suddenly not feel okay. So it's really important that before you do this, you're aware of your own triggers, but also that you let your partner know potential triggers and you decide on what you'll do if a trigger arises and you can't push through it and you feel a need to stop. Whenever you're going to do impact play, it's a good idea to consider a safe word. Now, this safe words are... Um, a very controversial issue, and there are long discussions about whether you always need a safe word, whether you never need a safe word, who you need a safe word with. And I'm not going to talk about all of that in this podcast. I will do an entirely separate podcast on risk and safe words. However, for the purposes of this podcast, if you're engaging in impact play with somebody that you don't know well or that you haven't played with before, it is prudent to have a safe word or some type of safe signal that allows you to let the person who is hitting you know that you feel you need to stop, that this is going too far. Safe words are also good to have if you're the person who is giving the beating. If you've not done this before, it's possible that you will be triggered by causing the other person pain. It's possible that um, memories could surface from an incident in your past that can mean that you need to stop. It's also possible that you'll end up with a cramp in your arm or your leg and you'll feel a need to stop. So it's really a good idea to make sure that you communicate well with your partner, but also that you have some signal that says, I might need to stop soon. And another one that says, please stop now. As I said, some people argue that you don't actually need a particular special word or a special signal as long as you're communicating well. But oftentimes, while people are doing this, they like to shout, no, 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 and they don't want you to stop. They really want things to keep going, but they're wanting to express their feelings. They're wanting to express the part. And so um, it's a good idea if you're really clear on what means stop and what doesn't mean stop. And that brings me to consent. Do make sure you get explicit consent before engaging in any kind of impact play. 
Explicit consent is just that. Talking with your partner about what it is that you want to do and whether or not they agree to doing it. And if there's anything they don't agree to. If either of you is under the influence of alcohol or drugs, legally consent is invalid. So, be careful about making these sorts of arrangements when you're intoxicated. In my opinion, these sorts of negotiations should always happen when people are together, clean, and sober. Again, whether or not you use alcohol when you're playing or you use any kind of drugs when you're playing is also a controversial issue that I'm not going to deal with in detail in this podcast, but I will talk about it in another podcast. My viewpoint personally is that no alcohol and no drugs while playing is the better policy. You get high enough doing this sort of stuff without adding other substances in. Alcohol um, lets down inhibitions and makes it harder to control impulses. Um, and if you're actually going to be beating somebody, it's important that you are able to have control over what you're doing so that you can time your strokes and um, so that you can make sure to measure your strokes and that you don't end up out of control. So that's a good reason not to use alcohol when you're actually going to be the dominant. Um, as for being the submissive, if you're um, under the influence of alcohol, you might agree to things that actually you're not okay with and, and really suffer for it later. If you need a reminder about consent, I highly recommend the original cup of tea video. Um, in the notes from this podcast, I've actually put a link to the video. It's well worth watching. Do start slowly and build up a rhythm, paying close attention to the responses of the person who you're beating or spanking. Starting slow allows time for adaptation, and this includes time for neurotransmitters to be released. Rhythmic beatings are easier to manage than non-rhythmic ones. Now, in some circumstances, the top or the dominant will deliberately not be rhythmic. And this can be a challenge all of its own, and it can have its own excitement, its own fun. But it's certainly easier to manage something that's rhythmic. Paying close attention is so important. I cannot emphasize this enough. If you are the person who is being the top in this situation, you are delivering the beating or the spanking, you must observe the person who you are playing with very carefully. Look for the changes. Look to see when they're enjoying themselves. Look to see when they're having difficulty so that you can adjust what you do to make this as pleasurable an experience for you both. Um, everybody has their own perceived limits, the place where they would call out their safe word. If you're very skilled as a top, you can actually gently, gently push those limits and stop before the person feels a need to actually say, oh, I can't do any more. And that's really exciting and it can be really satisfying both for the top and for the person who's being the bottom. Do make sure to treat any abrasions, cuts, or scrapes quickly after the session ends. 
untreated cuts, scrapes, and abrasions can lead to infection, and also poor healing can lead to scars. Make sure to check with any playmate as to what marks are acceptable, if any. It can be impossible to guarantee that there will be no marks. So don't assume because you don't see marks on somebody after the session that none will develop. People mark differently. Some folks bruise more easily and others heal more slowly. People can also mark differently depending upon medication, cycle, and other health and wellness factors. Marks can take quite a while before they appear. Sometimes they won't appear at all for 24 to 36 hours. And then when they do appear, they'll be light. And then they'll deepen and darken and deepen and darken until they again lighten and begin to, to fade. Keep in mind medical conditions when you're looking at the possibility of skin breaks, cuts, and abrasions. Uh, people who have decreased immune systems or who are on immunosuppressant medication can very quickly end up in danger from untreated abrasions, cuts, or scrapes. Don't play if you don't have an aftercare plan in place. Sometimes people have intense emotional reactions to this type of sexual activity. The reactions can be at the time of the activity or they can be delayed. It's important to make sure that you have support in place in case you have a delayed reaction. Now, Again, this can be a controversial topic as to whether or not it is the dominant who is supposed to provide the aftercare. This is something that needs to be negotiated. Um, if the person who is doing the topping is your long-term partner, then it's probably expected that they would provide some aftercare for, for, for the um, submissive. But if this is a more casual relationship, that's not necessarily what is expected. Yes, there's some immediate physical aftercare, but you need to think carefully if you are the bottom about setting up your own supports. You need to communicate before the event to the top what it is that you think you need and negotiate whether they're able to provide that. If they're not, then you need to find somebody else to provide it and make sure that you have this plan in place. Also, People who are in the dominant position, in the top position, can have a reaction and need their own aftercare. Again, this may be something that the submissive or the bottom provides, or it may not. And this is another thing that needs to be negotiated. It's important if you're the top or you're the dominant that you make arrangements so that you've got aftercare available to you. If you've not done this before, it can be really hard to know what you might need. So my advice is make sure you have lots of things in place. If you don't need them, it's no big deal. But if you do need them and they're not there, it can be incredibly distressing and ruin what might have been a really enjoyable and fulfilling experience. Don't play when you're intoxicated. It's harder to make good decisions when you're intoxicated. Impact play can be quite dangerous, so it's important to have your wits about you when you engage in it. And 
I'm referring to both parties here. Don't rush your play sessions. Take your time to get the most out of an impact play session. Lots of people like to have a soundtrack. It has a warm-up period and a cool-down period. Don't play with a new toy without learning something about it first. Make sure you know what the toy can do and what sensations might feel like. Some tops like to test a toy out on themselves so they understand what the sensation might be. Most importantly, you want to make sure that your play is sexy and fun. After all, there's no point in engaging in impact play unless it will increase your sexual pleasure and excitement. Now, some people engage in impact play and then decide to have uh, more conventional sex, oral sex or penetrative sex or something leading with physical touching leading to orgasm. Some people actually have orgasm as a result of impact play. Other people choose to have impact play as a completely separate activity. Again, you need to make sure you're on the same page with the person that you're going to play with. If you don't, that leads to disappointment. Impact play can be incredibly fulfilling and satisfying. It can take you to great heights. So don't let a bad experience put you off. For example, sometimes someone will start too quickly and it's hard to actually cope with the pain that's being delivered. That can make an, um, a, a session go very badly. I mean, there are circumstances in which that's appropriate and that might be fun, but that can make an impact play session go very badly. If that happens and you don't feel that you can stop it in the middle or, or your overall feeling afterwards has been a negative one, talk about it with the person that you played with. Give them the opportunity, give them the feedback and the opportunity to change things, to apologize if they've caused you pain um, that wasn't the kind of pain you were intending, but also to change things and consider giving it another try. Like I said earlier, some people really like thud and cannot deal at all with sting. So when you're just starting out, make sure to try a wide variety of toys. Make sure to try a wide variety of sensations and consider trying this with more than one person because different people do impact play differently. And the experience can be like night and day, just like different sexual partners are different. I know that sounds completely obvious, but often people don't think about that when they're trying to make decisions about engaging in impact play. It can be a bit scary to try something like this. So make sure that you actually think it through and then know what risk you're taking and be willing to take that risk. It's a good idea to get references if you're going to play with somebody that you've never played with before um, and that you don't know terribly well. It can be a lot of fun to take time negotiating and discussing before finally engaging in impact play. And that can give you some time to really get to know somebody a bit better. It's certainly safer to know somebody a bit better 
if they're going to be holding a weapon in their hands and hitting you with it. And do remember that all of the things that are involved in impact play are weapons, including a person's hands. Sometimes being spanked is harder to manage than any other toy. Sometimes because of the intimacy of that, that can provoke shame. But also, particularly if you're being spanked by a percussionist, hands can be really, really hard. Look out for my comprehensive list of impact toys with pictures and links in my ebook, Impact Toys, on www.theintimacy-coach.com. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Please write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's a t o z o f s e x.com. And visit both websites, www.a2zofsex.com and www.theintimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal, lasting, intimate relationship. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.a2zofsex.com and click on the button that says Book Now. Please join me next week when the letter will be S, and S is for scent. And joining me is the master perfumer, Rosa Dove. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A T O. Z-O-F-S-E-X to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.